Welcome to the Prac Ready podcast, clinical education in one coffee. Joined today by Matt Cooper and Craig Taylor. Morning, Craig. Morning, Matthew. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. And a special guest, Galaxy, the uh, the training guide dog. So hopefully we don't get any barks or um, any other interruptions. various interruptions. Uh, Craig, today I want to talk about. Uh, time management and some of the things that students and early uh, practitioners can implement from from the get-go to help them with their time management. Uh, there's obviously a lot of components that, that come into it and that we need to cross over. And so um, I thought we could, we could start the conversation from a basis of maybe a, a return patient sort of time frame around the 30 minute to 40 minute and then a, a new patient from sort of the 45 minute to the hour sort of time frame. So um, there's a fair bit to delve into, but I think uh, basically what we want to look at is how, how you should really, in the back of your mind, be structuring your consult with those patients. Yeah, and obviously this is something that we see our students at the student osteopathic clinic. Um, really, that's probably one of the number one struggles early on is how do they structure their consult um, to not only finish the, the key components of what they're doing with the patient, but then also their let's, you know, medico-legal issues of writing up their notes while they're still fresh in their mind and um, then being ready to go with their next person. So. Yeah, and I, look, it's a good point. I think it's something that you definitely see that uh, students are quite fearful of missing, missing something. And so because of that, they will go and assess everything you know, even if there's no relevancy to the case history. Um, and so over time, we can we can assure you that over time you will get refine your ability to assess and um, you will draw things from your case history that are really important to that specific uh, complaint that the patient has. Um, so realistically, I think, you know, although you are maybe fearful of missing something, uni does set you up with some good balances and checks to be able to to not miss um, some fundamental uh, fundamental issues. Yeah, and being able to you know, segment your history taking into is there anything that I've heard from this patient's history that is clearly going to be some kind of safety slash imminent risk sequestering that and following that down the path as opposed to sometimes patients um, will have a more vague set of symptoms that you might delve into over two or three weeks and over that period of time it's not an imminent safety risk but it's something that you need to consider and maybe hone in on and if things don't start uh, reacting the way that you would expect on a normal sort of healing time frame then they become a more significant part of the history as opposed to something that they clearly need to get referred for ASAP. Yeah, and very, very good point. And I think even if you remove the time frame of, you know, a few weeks or whatever else, within a consult, you, you do have time uh, that not necessarily the patient just sitting there in the chair during the history taking component, but once they're on the table or once you are assessing them, some of these things might crop up as you're going and um, 
it's not not that problematic, um, but it might just shift your focus a little bit. And often, you know, when you're looking a patient in the eye or, you know, from across the desk or something along those lines, they might be a little bit uncomfortable to share certain information. But once they're face down on the table and you're treating them, some of these things do come to the fore and it, it uh, might change your perception of their case history. Yeah, that, that development of rapport and trust um, definitely develops over time and it is important to consider how that um, will affect what they're happy to tell you about. So Craig, look, let's just, let's just talk about some of the sort of fundamental things that we see and um, what you can do. I guess, guess the biggest one that you'll see initially out in there in practice is that patients who like to, uh, for lack of a better term, waffle on or, or you know, get onto a chat that really isn't about what they've come in for today. How do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, so there I think we can we add to that patient the mm. patient who is their identity is built around their problem as well and they yeah, they want to really give you the really long description from uh, a long time ago of what's happened. So both of those patients present a challenge to you in terms of maintaining your time frames to achieve what you need to do. Mm. Um, I like to to talk to the patient pretty uh, upfront about when they're maybe giving me information that's a little bit too excessive or, or not relevant. So um, some strategies I'll use around them is let's have a um, discussion about what you're coming in with today and what um, important information I need to gather off you mm. before we talk about the football on the weekend or before we talk about um, what you're up to for the rest of the week. Um, it is important that we do take into account some of the information you'll get about their general life can be very pertinent for their condition, especially when we're talking about stress or external factors that might be, I guess, weighing on them and filling up their non-physical load. Um, and it also gives you some um, insight into where they're at in managing their condition because you might see that they have started to um, come away from their social groups or they're more temperamental or they may even notice themselves that their mood has changed. Um, so they are important aspects, but again, coming back to how you can streamline your history taking, it's important that you go through um, things that are relevant um, medico-legally and then um, what are relevant for the patient because the patient might want to tell you things that are important to them but not necessarily super important to their presenting complaint. Yeah, look, and, and realistically, you can ask the patient to prioritise. You know, I, we've all had patients who come in with a list of five or six different things and it, it can be ranging from quite acute pain to a, a mild niggle. And so if that's the case, I will, I will definitely say to them, you know, well, what's the priority today? And, and often it is the first thing that they say, you know, I've had this terrible headache or, or whatever else, but occasionally it isn't. Um, and it'll crop up when they'll say, oh, you know, I've been seeing you for my knee. Look, it's not too bad, but, you know, I've woken up with this shocking headache. And, and so that can often change the focus of a treatment for that day. Um, but you've got to remember that the patient, you know, is coming for a service. And so in, with that in mind, you want, to, you want to sort of tailor your treatment approach towards what their priority is for that day. Yeah, I agree. And 
um, in that example you've given where you've got a, a, an acute new thing and they've been managing something else, I'll probably treat a majority of their acute thing, but then I might update their rehab for their um, underlying or more uh, ongoing presentation mm-hmm. and talk to them about how, okay, well, let's work on that next time they're in because it is impossible to spend all your time um, doing both because you're yeah. not going to treat either properly. And look, and I think the one thing that new graduates worry about a lot is that they're going to run out of time within a consult. And um, I would assure you that, you know, you do... Half an hour doesn't seem like that much and you might have come from a clinical situation where you've had 45 minutes. Um, but really, when you break that 45 minutes down, you've spent some time... Uh, waiting to present to the clinician, you've probably gone through a lot of assessment, you've gone through a a really big history. So you do have a lot more time within that half an hour to do things. Um, And you you can formulate your game plan for the treatment, for example, whilst you pop out so the patient can get changed or something along those lines. Um, So within a half an hour window, if you're, you're aiming to to provide you know 15 to 20 minutes let's just say treatment and and, and rehab uh you know that that does give you 10 minutes which okay mightn't sound that much but you know if you break that down from history and assessment that's a lot of time yeah and uh i think one key thing we see with um you know students in the clinics and then you know early um, graduates is that they they will try to do too much with techniques yes or they'll do either they'll do a technique for way too long mm. or they'll be doing techniques you know they'll be doing everything that they can possibly do in one in their first go so uh, being able to scale back how much um, you're actually doing with a patient is important and you know really going back to that idea of what are you trying to achieve with that technique have you caused a change move on mm. it doesn't have to be you know pummeling away at the same soft tissue technique for 10 minutes just to um, placate the patient's needs as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, and I think you'll find, especially with new patients, Craig, that because you have a longer time frame, you actually tend to treat for a longer time initially. And, and really, it's a habit that you shouldn't get into because you'll find that patients might, you know, if you're treating for 40 minutes in that, in that hour, you know, you see them for half an hour next and they're wondering, well, you know, why am I getting only only 20 minutes of treatment? I, I think it comes back to your new, new patient in particular. You've got that fair bit more time to take your detailed history, do a detailed assessment, still provide your, your intervention, your 15 to 20 minutes treatment. But then that's where the education comes into. And, you know, you'll remember when we spoke to uh, Bill at one of the earlier podcasts, he spoke about... Um, those aspects of communication that are really important and that hour allows you that time to to go through these things so that you are educating your patient which realistically is the most important thing in that initial consult um, to the proper level so you can and they can help manage their symptoms. I 100% agree it really makes your job easier going forward if you've communicated the diagnosis the ongoing management plan for their um, condition. It also is worth noting, that's why, uh, and a lot of clinics do this, not everywhere, but a lot of clinics, if you haven't attended um, in you know the recent past, it can be six months, a year, depends on the different clinics, um, 
they may book a longer session for that mm. patient. It is so that you can do the exact same thing again. You can go back through and explain, this is how we're gonna manage the problem, this is your plan, and that takes more time, and um, hence you should be billing them as such. Yeah, and look, I think, you know, think about your own life. What can change in five years? You know, the idea that someone hasn't been into the clinic for five years and is a return patient is probably not realistic. You know, so much can change in your health from week to week, let alone over over a year. Um, so, realistically, get a good understanding of your your clinical um, guidelines within the practice that you're working. Uh, what their expectation is. Look, they might say, "Well, they've been to the clinic before, and they're a return patient." Um, but if you're not comfortable doing that, I would suggest to your your practice manager or your the owner or whatever else that you know it it would be beneficial for you, um, especially if that patient hasn't been in for five years, to see them for a longer, longer consult. Yeah. Or just, you know, if that even if the clinic's practice is to to do that and have them as a return, then I think you need to make it clear with the patient that today's treatment is going to be somewhat limited um, in terms of therapeutic treatment because you need to make sure that you're covering uh, off their general health questions Absolutely, too. absolutely. And look, a couple of things to, to keep an eye out for. Obviously, um, you know, in a private setting, it's a bit different in terms of your notes. You do have a little bit more time once a consult's finished to tidy up your, your treatment notes and your consult notes there. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be done in that half an hour time frame. Um, even within the student clinics, we find because a shift might be finishing at at midday, you know, people are frantically doing their notes towards the end of a shift, trying to get them done to be signed off. So you've got a bit more freedom there. Um, but I would highly recommend getting into good habits early um, because if you're finding that you're, uh, oh, I'll get to it later, I'll get to it later, I'll get to it later, uh, the likelihood of you forgetting to do some notes every now and then just creeps in and then it becomes habits. So, so make those good habits nice and early in the piece. Um, which will help your time management, but generally it will help you get uh, better outcomes as well because you'll have those like, wonderful detailed notes to refer to. Yeah, and prior to this conversation, Matt, you were telling me about with your new patients, so you have an hour. Um, mm. what, what do you achieve after the patient's left that consult before your next patient? Yeah, look, it's a good point. I, I'm, the hour is allotted. I'm rarely with the patient for that entire hour. So, you know, usually there's somewhere between 10 to 5 minutes at the end of, end of a consult um, to tidy up your notes, um, write what you've done. Our notes, uh, we use Clinico, which has a, a little bit of a template, but obviously you have to write everything in there still. Um, but we're able to get a good, thorough, detailed history from the patient, those notes are written down and then I will tidy them up as much as possible and then if need be, I can get back to back to it um, a bit later during lunch breaks, these sorts of things. If there's any other, um, say, letters from GPs or any other exercise prescriptions or something like that, I do like to attach those to the notes as well so we've got a nice complete file there also. Yeah, and I've been uh, getting into the habit of using that spare time at the or spare time in verticals at the end of a clinic consult to shoot out that stuff via email to the patient so that I don't get to the end of the day and need to spend another thirty minutes going through all of my patients' exercise prescription and emailing mm. them out. 
Um, it's nice that you know by the time the patients you know got into their car or back at work, um, they have probably got their email with their diagnosis on it, their um, exercise prescription, and uh, any other pertinent information from the um, consult. Great little PR exercise as well for building that rapport with patients. And look, they generally like it. It's a uh, you know very much a technology-based society now, and so a piece of paper is getting more and more irrelevant. So, you know, an email is quite easy for people to refer. I think I mentioned this previously, Craig, where we, we've filmed a series of videos, so we actually send um, video reminders just for YouTube to patients, and they've got that, that e-resource there that they can refer to to make sure that they're doing those specific prescribed exercises correctly as well. Um, and once again, like that, that helps your time management in the sense of you can quickly go through the rehab, but assure the patient, look, I'm going to send you this resource. So you are uh, all over it. You've got a video you can refer to. Um, and so you're not wasting time. Not wasting. Wasting is probably the wrong term, but you're not spending that a lot of time going, rechecking, redoing all those exercises with your patient. Yeah. You can feel confident that they're, you know, achieving exactly what you've asked them to do um, because they've got that clear, concise, um, guided uh, rehab structure in, in your case via YouTube. Mm. Um, just be uh, before we finish up, what about dealing with patients who uh, are tardy or late to their appointment? And then I'm going to counterbalance that with what about practitioners who run late? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. Look, I... Just on the practitioners running late, I really, really endeavour to be on time always. And I figure if I'm on time, at least then the patients know that if they're running late, well, Matt will be waiting for me. And so it sort of gives me a little bit of um, scope, I guess, there to, you know, look, you're 10 minutes late. I can only spend that 20 minutes with you today. With a new patient, it doesn't matter as much, although I will sort of mention it and address it because I don't want it to become habit for the patient. It's really difficult, especially in situations where, you know, five minutes never means five minutes late and 10 minutes usually means that they're gonna be 20 or whatever else. If you've got a half an hour window with that patient and you're fully booked, it is difficult. And I've had patients, you know, just as recent as the last couple of weeks that, you know, one who was 25 minutes late for an appointment. Um, and I just said, look, I can't see you today. We're going to have to rebook you tomorrow or, or, you know, next week or whatever else. He understood that, but it was certainly certainly something that, you know, you you have to call for what it is. I think, you know, you, you've almost got to be willing to take a little bit of that uh, financial hit from missing out on that patient to drive the standards across the clinic. Um, as opposed to practitioners being late, I look... There's a few different things. As I said, I try not to be late, but occasionally it can happen, especially if there's some difficult cases there or, or some, and you know, things run over time every now and then. Um, one of the things I would all highly recommend to always do is thank the person for waiting or apologise for the delay, okay? Like, your time's important, their time's important. You know, it's not a contest. So, um, you know, I think that's a really good habit to be in and you know just something along the lines of look thanks for waiting there I'm sorry that sorry that I'm a little bit delayed and you know and then move on um, 
I think most patients are accepting of that. Unfortunately, most patients are used to waiting yeah. for practitioners. Um, and it's something that I certainly try not to because I think that's something that could set us apart, really, compared to other clinics. Yeah, I, I exactly uh, mirror that, Matt. I think patients uh, should expect that their appointment time is, is when they're uh, allotted. Um, of course, there are those exceptional circumstances where you have a patient who's particularly complex or there's some kind of extra management that's required. Um, in those cases, what I will typically do is if I know I'm going to be five or ten minutes behind and it's it's unusual, I will um, tell the patient I'm currently with, look, I just need to step out for a couple of seconds. I'll go and speak to the patient who's there and just let them know, look, I know that I'm going to be five or ten minutes from now. Uh, I, I apologise for that, but there's no, there's no way around that at this point in time. And very rarely are patients... Um, concerned by that and if they are it gives us an opportunity to then say okay well if, if you really are worried by it let's book you in something else now mm. um, as opposed to them lingering there for 10 minutes being annoyed that they're yes. running late behind yeah and I th- look I think realistically once again the underlying thing comes back to communication doesn't it and you know even little things like if I know and you, you'll know over a day if you're if you're 10 15 minutes late you know, and you're, you're lucky enough to have reception, just a, a quick phone call to the patient, hey, you know, Craig's running, running 10 minutes late, um, you know, take your time getting here or something along those lines can, can be enough just to, just to um, you know, a bit of customer service there and uh, keep the patient happy. Um, or as you said, just pop, ducking your head out if you're in a clinic where it's, you know, there's no reception um, and just saying, look, you know, Apologies, uh, I'll be with you shortly. Um, and most people are accepting. And to be honest, like depending where you work, I work in a city location, people don't mind having a sit for five or ten minutes and just reading a magazine or uh, chilling out and not having you know uh, the outside world bugging them for a few minutes. So uh, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but um, try not to get into the habit. Yeah, it's definitely not a habit I'd want to be uh, fostering. Alrighty, so on, on that note, I think we'll finish up there, Craig. Um, any reminders for our lovely listeners? Uh, just a quick one there. You can jump onto our Patreon page. It's uh, just Prac Ready. Uh, and for the price of one coffee per month, you can support Matt and I uh, in our endeavour to provide you with clinical education resources. Um, it's, you know, we do, do this out of... Um, uh, need or a perceived need for this in the market so uh, we're definitely not asking for you to um, support our kids through college but just <laughs> a little bit of uh, assistance just to make it uh, worthwhile for our time would be much appreciated yeah thank you very much and once again if you've got any questions for us here at Prac Ready, be sure to email through to gmail uh, prackready at gmail.com so p-r-a-c-r-e-a-d-y at gmail.com with any questions uh, we look forward to giving you more podcasts as we go thank you craig thanks maddie have a have a good day and uh all the best in private practice